Hello, friends, and welcome to Robcast number 23. This is episode 23 in honor of the player, the best basketball player to ever play basketball, who also is the number 23. And that player is, of course, the best basketball player ever, LeBron James. So episode number 23 in honor of LeBron James, the best basketball player ever. You can tell I've been watching a lot of NBA recently, and I fully acknowledge that some of you NBA fans are not going to hear one word I say because I just said that LeBron James is the best ever. Yes, he is. Get over it. Step into the light. Join us on the other side. It's very nice here. Best basketball player ever. Number 23, Rob Cast. Number 23, the title of this one is The Cellular Exodus. And we're going to cover all sorts of territory here. I have an audience of one with me today. My beloved friend Jill Rowe is in town from London. Hello, Jill. Hello, Rob. And uh, <laughs> she makes me laugh. So this is, you know, we're going to have some uh, good times here. Jill is in town for the Keep Going event that we're doing the next couple of days here. And at some point, I'm going to interview her about her work. So a future podcast is coming with an interview um, with Jill, and uh, you will hear some things that she and the fine folks at Oasis Trust are up to in UK and around the world. Um, but that will be a different episode. This one is called The Cellular Exodus. One note, I'm going on tour, the Everything is Spiritual Tour, uh, and I am, oh man, I can't, don't even get me started. Actually, I will talk about it. I'm so excited, and I'm coming to a number of cities, doing 32 cities on this first leg this summer. The tour kicks off in L.A. at the Regent Theater, June 24th and 25th. You can get your tickets and all that at robbell.com. Then San Diego on July 6th, and then San Diego, Phoenix, Tulsa. I've never been to Tulsa, by the way. Tulsa, I'm coming your way. Then July 10th, Austin at the Paramount Theater. I love the Paramount Theater. Then Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Nashville, Atlanta at the Tabernacle. I love the Tabernacle. I was there for the Gods Aren't Angry tour a number of years ago. And that would be um, July 16th. Then Miami Beach, Miami, Jacksonville, Durham, Richmond, Silver Spring, New York uh, City, Town Hall, New York City on the 24th. Then House of Blues in Boston on the 25th. Then the Electric Factory on the 27th. I love that venue, the Electric Factory. So fantastic. Then the 28th, Cleveland. And then the 29th, I will be in the epicenter of progressive culture, Grand Rapids, Michigan at the intersection. Yes. And then Pabst Theater in Milwaukee the next night. Then Indianapolis, St. Louis, Chicago, Denver, Salt Lake City, Boise, Spokane, Reno. And the last night of this leg will be August 10th at the Regency Ballroom in San Francisco. Um, I would just love to see you at one of those uh, cities. And then here's how let's make things interesting. You'll notice on my website at the end of the list of cities is um, you can download posters and other promotional materials. How about we um, set it up this way? You Instagram a picture of taking, download one of those posters and put it up somewhere strange, interesting, difficult, somewhere very public. You help get the word out about the tour, Instagram it, and the best ones in each city, I'll, uh, I'll put you on the guest list and we can meet and I'll get you really good tickets for you and a friend and that sort of thing. So... I'm looking, hit me up on Instagram with some great pictures of where you put everything as spiritual posters and um, it will make me laugh and then we'll meet and uh, you'll get free tickets and that's how that'll work. So 
everything is spiritual this summer. Today, the cellular exodus. So what I want to do is I want to talk about your cell phone, and I want to talk about the second book in the Bible and how they're deeply connected with each other. So first, let's talk about your cell phone. Uh, I've been watching the NBA a fair bit recently because we had the playoffs and now the finals, and there's a new a cell phone company that has a new commercial. They're advertising their latest model of their phone, and here's what's so awesome about this commercial for this phone. What they're, comp they're comparing their phone to another company's phone, and what they're saying about their phone is that if you place their phone face down, there's a place on the back of the phone where it will read like whatever phone call or text or email you've just gotten. And the commercial says, does the other company's phone do that? <laughs> no, and I would answer no, because the other company's phone, when you place it face down, it's so that you can't see who's called you or who's texted you. It's like this company's like, our phone is so awesome. If you place it face down so that you can't, you know, normal phones, you place it face down so you can't be distracted. Our phone, you can still be distracted. It's like an extra feature. I know you, or, or I would add, or you could just leave it face up and not have to make a second screen on the back. <laughs> Do you ever see something and think, are we flying upside down? Or how about this one? You go to lunch with someone and you sit down and they take their cell phone out and they put it on the table between you face up. And you notice it and then the two of you start talking and then all of a sudden you feel a buzz on the table and you realize that their phone is buzzing. And the two of you are talking, you're locked in, eye contact, fully present but you're watching them and the first thing you think of is, are they gonna look down? Are they gonna look down? Are they gonna look down? And then they do, and then another voice kicks in in your head, which is, are they gonna answer it? Are they gonna answer it? Are they gonna answer it? And you can tell they're making a decision, which is really a decision about ranking, isn't it? Because you're about to find out whether you're number one or number two. Now, I'm the first person if Kristen calls to answer it no matter what I'm doing. So totally get it there, but, What's so fascinating about this device is I can pick up my phone and call somebody on the other side of the planet. Human beings have never been able to do this sort of thing. It's only in recent history that you could talk to somebody on the other side of the planet. This little thing in my pocket can connect me with somebody on the other side of the planet. It can also disconnect me from the person across the table. So this one device has been so extraordinary for global reach and yet also so lethal for daily presence and connection. It's like it's a phone, but it's way more than a phone. Are you with me? Or this one. A couple of days ago, I was having dinner with a group of people. A number of them had the new Apple Watch which, and the big deal behind the Apple Watch, obviously, is it's Apple and it's a new product and it's a watch, but there's this whole question of would wearables ever catch on, which is essentially computers in your clothes or your jewelry or your accessories. And the Apple Watch is the first, obviously, wearable to like sell a kajillion units and to make kajillion dollars and to be a huge success. And I asked them, what's the best thing about the Apple Watch? And you know what they all said? I, I'm laughing because this is so unbelievable. They all said, and they all agreed, the best thing about the Apple Watch is that I can leave my iPhone at home or in the car. <laughs> How great is that? I'll tell you what's great about this device. 
this greatest de- this device is great. The best feature of this device is I don't need that device like I used to. So it's like I used to have to carry that thing around everywhere I went. Now I don't have to do that because I'm wearing this computer, <laughs> which is fine. If you have an Apple Watch, that's awesome. But it's not only funny, but honestly, it's a bit strange what our phones are doing to us. Would you agree? There's a sense in which we own them, and yet do you ever feel like your phone owns you? Uh, a couple <laughs> a couple indications that your phone might own you instead of you owning it, or in addition to you owning it. Uh, here, here's one that, that totally reveals to me my odd relationship with my phone. And so I just form it in a question, when you lose it, do you lose it? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you lose your phone, do you lose your sanity? When you lose it, do you lose it? Like if I misplace a sweater, I'm like, eh, I'll wear a different sweater. It's not a big deal. It's probably in my car or something, or I left it at someone's house. Like when you misplace most of the things, you misplace them. You're like, eh, you probably even have a backup set of car keys, but you lose your phone. How many know what I'm talking about? It's like deep existential terror. It's like... Uh, everything sort of shuts down and goes into slow motion until you find it. Or secondly, do you find yourself instinctively checking your phone whenever there's a lull? I'm speaking specifically to those of you who check your email at stoplights. We used to, and now I sound like some sort of neo-Luddite, like, you know, back in the good old days, back when we made things with looms and made our own butter. But the sense that I don't have to spend any time staring out the window. Or if I'm getting my car washed, I don't just sit and observe. I immediately look at my phone. The sense that every lull, you have almost like an instinctual, you immediately look down and start going through your phone. And the reason why I say that is we tell ourselves it's for work and it's so our kids and our spouses and loved ones can get a hold of us. And that's true. That's valuable. That's why I carry a phone. Um, But... Do you also spend a bunch of time looking at totally ridiculous stuff? So the reason you're carrying it is because of these big lofty, no, 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 seriously, the people at the company, if there's a meltdown or something, and you'd be able to hold me, I got it. But do you also look at the weirdest stuff? For example, those lo- lists on HuffPost. You know what I mean? Like seven politicians who own farm animals, or just those weird, you know what I mean? Six tips to losing weight while flying. Or... Um, the 14th stupidest cars that athletes have bought. You know what I mean? Those lists where you're like, why am I at list 24 of celebrity real estate odd-shaped swimming pools? You know what I mean? Do you ever find yourself deep into one of those things thinking, how did I get here? We tell ourselves, well, here's why I'm carrying the phone, but then what percentage of our time is actually spent on that? And what time is looking at the weirdest stuff? Or have you ever simply said this, I'm, I'm always on my phone? Or have you ever said this about somebody that you know? It's like they're always on their phone. Or have you ever heard a kid say about their mother or father, they're always on their phone? Or have you ever seen a f- couple at dinner in a restaurant and they're both on their phone? Or have you ever seen a family clearly on vacation and they're all on their phones. And something within you says, this isn't right. Or have you ever been to like a show, a concert, 
and you looked around you and there's this amazing moment of connection between the band and the audience and you look around and everybody's filming it that, that they're here but not here there is this strange sense and i i especially lately i've been hearing people saying there's a strange thing happening with our phones where we own them but in some strange way they own us so uh let's pause there now I want to talk about a story that's thousands of years old, and then I want to look and see and explore if there perhaps aren't any connections between the two. Uh, there's a story in the, in the Bible called the Exodus. And for many, um, especially if you look through sort of scholarly work, the book of Exodus is often considered the first book of the Bible because it's a moment of defining liberation. And then the book of Genesis is seen as a backstory. So Genesis, the book of Exodus is about these Hebrew slaves who are rescued from slavery and they're brought up out of Egypt where they were enslaved. And then the question is, well, how did they get enslaved? Oh, that's the backstory. That's the book of Genesis. So sometimes scholars read it as, because Exodus is the defining moment, because in the Jewish faith, this isn't ultimately an abstract sort of philosophical notion. Faith is about liberation from whatever has you in oppression or bondage. Are you with me now? Uh, so when you look at sort of the Jewish history, it's about getting rescued from whatever you need to get rescued from. So the defining moment of the Bible is not sort of abstract or it's liberation. Does anybody need liberation? Anybody need freedom? Anybody need rescuing? Anybody need saving from anything? So this Exodus story, second book of the Bible, is about these Hebrew slaves in Egypt and their God sends this uh, rescuer, Moses, who's their leader, and he leads them out. And it's got all sorts of ups and downs and twists and turns. And it has lots of similarities with other stories at the time. Nevertheless, it's fascinating because it teaches you about how the ancient mind saw the world in many ways. And they're brought up out of slavery. Now, in slavery in Egypt, they made bricks. And they had quotas of bricks they had to make every day because they were owned and sort of slave mastered by the pharaoh. And in Egypt, every day you made bricks and you had to meet your quota. And then the next day you woke up and made more bricks. And the next day you made more bricks, 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 bricks. And you have to say it that way, bricks, bricks, bricks. And you only slave, you only own a slave who's worth it because you have to feed and clothe them. So you only keep a slave around who can actually earn their keep and make some profit for you, build something. So in Egypt, these Hebrew slaves, they make big things for the Pharaoh out of bricks, bricks, bricks. And every day is just like the day before it. And the day tomorrow will be just like today. This, by the way, is the definition of despair. Despair is a spiritual condition. Despair is when you fall under the belief and conviction that tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today. But this story is about a breaking of despair. It's about rescue liberation. It's about the disruption of that monotony and despair because these people are liberated and they're brought out into the wilderness. They're no longer owned by the Pharaoh. They're now free. And so what does their God do with them? What their God does with them is says, now take one day a week and don't do any work. Now, why is this so significant? Because in Egypt, they were human doings, not human beings. In Egypt, your worth and value came from how many bricks you produce. And so this God is shaping within them a new consciousness 
a new sensibility, a new path, and it begins with take one day a week and remind yourself that you're not a slave. Take one day a week and remind yourself that you're a human being, not a human doing. Take one day a week to remind yourself that your worth and your value do not come from how many bricks you produce. So the commandment to take a Sabbath is a commandment about central to what it means to be human. See, in Egypt, there was no rhythm to life. It was just bricks, 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 bricks. And the Sabbath command and the Sabbath way of life is about introducing rhythm. We're going to work six days and then take a day off. By the way, a number of them can't do it. Parentheses. We'll get back to that in a minute. We're talking about then, not now. Imagine that. Some of them couldn't take a day off and just play and just be. By the way, Sabbath is a day when you're busy being. Sabbath is a day in which you act like all the work is done, even if it isn't. The great uh, Jewish writer Abraham Joshua Heschel said, Sabbath is the day that gives the universe the spiritual energy it needs to keep going for another six days. So, um, and in a future Robcast, I'll talk about my own experience of Sabbath and how it's literally saved me. Um, I mean, saved me, like saved my life um, because of a new concept. But at the heart of this command, this way of life, this gift, and by the way, when Jesus said that the Sabbath is for people, not people for the Sabbath, like it's a gift. This is a gift, rhythm. And what happens when these people are given this gift is many of them can't do it. It's too hard. The whole brick making thing is so deeply, has so deeply formed their neural pathways. It's so deep in their psyche and heart and soul. They're literally people who go out and collect wood on the Sabbath. They can't take a day and trust that they're going to be okay. Essentially the story is about, it's one thing to get them out of Egypt. It's another thing to get the Egypt out of them. Come on, I like that that preaches. So I wonder, and once again, we're not talking about the good things about a cell phone because cell phones are awesome and I'm so thankful and I can't wait for the next model to come out. But when we explore the uneasy relationship we have, perhaps it's because when I have my cell phone with me and it's on, I'm available, I'm connected, and I get texts and I get emails and I get phone calls. And you know what's so great about them? A lot of them come because I'm needed, because I matter, because... I'm in the game because I'm vital to something somewhere. That feeling when you lose your phone that somebody might be trying to get a hold of you, it's good. We complain about it. See, you don't like it when you check your email and there's tons of emails and the inbox is jammed, but you also would hate it if it was empty, be honest. Right? You're like me. You can't stand it. All these people trying to get a hold of me, all these things I gotta go do. And yet if it was quiet, you'd be like, what's wrong? Like, like, no one's trying to get a hold of me. We have this deep human desire to matter, to not be forgotten. How many of you have checked your posts to see how many likes they got, and you got a bunch of likes, and in some strange way, it mattered? Somebody took their thumb and placed it on a screen over a heart-shaped icon, and that somehow did something to our self-esteem. How fragile are we? In some ways, we're modern and yet we're still enslaved to the same old bricks. Only our bricks are 4.7 inches long and we carry them around in our pockets. 
Are you with me? There's this fascinating um, thing when I got my car, uh, Toyota, Toyota trucks are my favorite vehicles in the world. So my Toyota truck, I was told by the salesman when I got it, oh, you can tether your device to the stereo. Because you can take your phone and you can tether your phone, that's the term they use, the technical term, to your car stereo, to your iPad, to a satellite that launches rockets somewhere, I don't know. But they say that that's the thing is, oh, this device can be, it's got Bluetooth, so it can be tethered. Um, and so we have these phones that are tethered to our car, our stereo, our iPod, whatever it is, but um, at some level, do you ever feel like it's tethered to your soul? Like the tethering goes way, way deeper. And um, by the way, side note on, on, on uh, cell phones, um, and side note on being needed, which I totally understand, especially business, education, healthcare, um, you have a loved one who's ill, kids, totally get it, but let's be honest, most emergencies aren't, right? Like think, how many times have you gotten an email from somebody that found like an emergency and you immediately responded and then later you got an email from them saying, oh, it was no big deal and you were sweating bullets, you were tense, you were anxious and then you found out later that the event totally worked itself out. Um, or do you have somebody, <laughs> I once worked with a guy who every email and that you would love this, you probably know who this is, Joe. Um, every email was urgent marked urgent or extra urgent like everything was urgent um all the time like everything was like a crisis and you're like you know what if you're slightly more organized you wouldn't have to put urgent in caps lock like the whole life was lived in urgent caps lock do you have a friend like that i bet you do because we all do that friend who everything is urgent most emergencies aren't and we spend so much energy and time and anxiety in the moment. And if you just pause for a moment, it's amazing how many things work themselves out. And then number two, this is my prediction. Some kid at some point, this kid's probably 11 right now, is gonna be like, you know what? I'm not gonna text you at the last minute. I'm gonna be next Thursday at four o'clock at the fountain <laughs> or the wherever, the basketball courts, and I'll meet you there. There's gonna be some kid who instead of everything being last minute by the text, I'm five minutes there, almost there, almost all. How many of you text people, I'll be there in five minutes? Why not just be there in five minutes? Think of all of the extra things we do. We didn't used to do this. You would just show up five minutes later than, have you ever got a text from somebody saying, I'll be there in three minutes? And by the time you read the text, they were there. We're all calming ourselves down from emergencies that aren't I had no anxiety about the fact that you weren't here, and yet we got a bunch of texts saying it'll be three minutes. Some kid is gonna say, you know what, I've got this thing in my pocket, it's called a notebook, it's made of paper. In my other pocket I have a pen, and I like how it feels. And they're gonna write each other notes, and they're gonna take Polaroid pictures. And if you wanna see the pictures, you're gonna have to see this book that they carry around, which is their best Polaroid pictures, and there's only one copy of those pictures. It's gonna go analog, I swear to you. This is totally free, no charge, Robcast prediction, but some kid's gonna go analog, and everything's only gonna, there's only gonna be one copy of it, and that kid's gonna have that copy, and they're gonna be like, yes, I can meet you next Sunday at three, and there's gonna be no last minute, and life is gonna be, it's gonna happen, there's gonna be this whole revolution. Anyway. Let's go back to you and I and our phones and the cellular exodus. We have new bricks. They're really good and productive and awesome and you can text and you can take pictures and you can take video and you can go on Instagram. I love me the Instagram, Real Rob Bell, love it. But the issue 
isn't whether it's good or bad. And people say, is the cell phone good or bad? I don't think that's the issue. The issue is rhythm. When is your cell phone on and when is it off? When is your cell phone with you and when is it not with you? When is it in your pocket and when have you left it in the car, left it home? Which is a larger spiritual issue, is it not? When are you on and when are you off? When can't we get a hold of you because you're busy being? Now, obviously, if you're a mom or you own a company, there's an emergency always on feel to it. But nevertheless, within that, how can we create rhythms of life? And I think the real thing that freaks us out about our cell phone is a cell phone is like it's with you. Sometimes people sleep with it next to their bed. It's always there, which means you're always on, always available, and that's bad for your brain, your heart, your soul, your body, your mind, your spirit, your peace, your joy, your integration as a human being. When is it off and you're off? You're busy doing nothing. You're booked, and what you're booked doing is being. On Friday afternoons, I turn off my computer. And I've done this now for probably 12 or 13 years on Friday afternoons. Late Friday afternoon, I turn off my computer. And I don't turn it back on till Sunday. And I always know, no emails, no creating, no writing, no working on Robcasts, no working on tour, no, I do no work. And literally on Friday afternoons when I turn my computer off, I, it's like a full body <sighs> exhale. I feel it physiologically from my head to my toes, and that's not an exaggeration. The work week is done. That rhythm, that six in one, one day, Saturday is not like the others. That, and obviously you can't be too strict, you can't be too tight about that sort of thing, because life throws you all sorts of interesting things. But the principle of this gift of giving yourself on, off. And what's happened in the modern world for many people, you ask them, when are you on? When are you off? When are you working? When are you not? When are you? Many people can't give you a clear answer. It's just all one endless go, 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 go. Or parentheses, bricks, 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 bricks. So uh, a couple questions to ask. Let's get extremely practical. When do you turn it off? I guarantee you, if you develop a rhythm of turning your cell phone on and off, when you do turn it off, you will begin to look for it. We are addictive creatures. We are creatures of habit. You start a habit and you will look forward to it. You will feel release. You will feel peace like you can't even describe. You'll feel it at like a cellular level. When do you turn it off? Um, one thing, uh, like I leave my phone when I come in the house in... Uh, one room off to the side so that I try to cut down as little impossible as my kids always see me with the phone. If I need to check it or if I need to call someone back, I go in that room, check it, call, text, whatever. Then I leave it in that room and go back out into the rest of the house. And that for me has made a world of difference so that I'm not with my kids, but not with my kids here, but not here. Simply, where do you leave it? Do you leave it in the garage and everything when you're home or your car, or your, I don't know, in a igloo in your backyard. I don't know where you live, but any little thing. And if you're thinking, man, this seems kind of trivial. No, 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 no. The rituals and routines and daily habits and practices, how you do the small things is how you do everything. 
If you can put things in their proper place and then stick to it, it does wonders. Maybe you leave your phone in your car. Literally, if you're going to use it, you go out to the garage, you get it out. It's such an extraordinary discipline because then when you're in the house, you're actually in the house. Maybe you don't need that. Maybe you're fine. Maybe your cell phone doesn't own you, at which point, awesome. I'm looking forward to going to your seminar. Uh, another thing that I've noticed a number of people do is they check it at regular times, even if it's just on the hour. Or otherwise, do you ever have that sense when you realize two hours has passed and you've checked your phone 37 times? You're like, what is, why every time there's a second break do I check it? If you can in any way create rhythms throughout your day, check it on the hour, even if you have the kind of work, check it on the half hour, however, any way, and maybe your work doesn't allow that or your family or kids or whatever, but any rhythm you can bring to your life is so unbelievably life-giving. Because if the drummer's off, the whole band is off, right? If the drummer's out of time, you're like, what's wrong with that band? You're like, I think there might be a bad note. If the drummer's off, you're like, that band sucks because the drummer's terrible. Every, you don't have to know anything about music to know that drummer is off. The drums, the rhythm, the beat, when the rhythm is off, Sabbath is about rhythm. This ancient Exodus story is about these people learning there is a rhythm to life. And the antidote to despair, depression, worry, anxiety, and stress is to be on, but then off. Work, play, inhale, exhale, summer, winter, everything, sine waves are built into all of creation. Push, pull, give, take. Rhythm is built into creation. And the problem with the modern world is you can get tomatoes at 2 a.m. Like there's no, you, every, you can awake, asleep, night, day, it's all thrown off. And when you throw off the rhythms, everything is thrown off. Okay, one more thing. Try this. Find a paperback book, a small paperback book you've always wanted to read and put it in your car. And when you're doing dentist, oil change, whatever, instead of taking your cell phone in, take a book in. I'm telling you, you will, it'll blow you away how much reading you get done, where when you're at the car wash, honestly, when you're at the car wash, when you're at the dentist and you have that extra seven minutes and you look down at your phone and you were checking out whatever ri ridiculous, why the Golden State Warriors changed their uniforms from 1983 to 1994 article, you honestly, you were reading crap just to fill your head. Take a book you've always wanted to read with you. I'm telling you, you will not believe, well, quickly it will expose how much of the time you were doing nonsense on your phone. It will totally change the deal. The cellular exodus. Is there anybody who needs liberation? Is there anybody who needs to be saved from the modern 4.7 inch brick with 12 hour battery life? It's a good thing, it's a beautiful thing. It's so amazing, all this extraordinary thing that we have in our pocket. Songs, videos, YouTube, Instagram, it's so great, and yet without rhythm, like anything. Work is awesome, but without rhythm, it falls on you, collapses and crushes you. It's all about the rhythm, on, off, exhale, inhale, work, play, Sabbath, the other days, rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. May you, my friends, have a cellular exodus, and may grace and peace be with you.